speaking with Mark Jones, who's former leadership uh, trainer at um, at the Royal Air, uh, Australian Air Force, ex-RAF, and when uh, he he's been involved with brain power training for about two decades now, and when he came on board, he was still transforming from still being in the RAF to uh, working with me. And you were you were responsible for doing these two-week residential, uh, turning people from well, I won't say basic recruits, but turning them into officer material, and it you know things like it was day and night. Uh, seven days a week for two weeks, including uh, going out on bivouac and being depriving them of sleep. But you, as the leader and the trainer, you were deprived of sleep, but also had to lead the team. So your ability to read people and lead people and get them over unresourceful behaviours is very deep. Isn't that right, Mark? Absolutely. Um, and essential to what we did. Um, if they weren't an expert in their field, if we couldn't rely on them, then we had that weak link in our chain. Right. All right, so let's get, get to today's topic, which is we named it as um, how not to micromanage and how to empower your people. Because when you and I were discussing what would be a good topic for these times, working people working remotely, it's that people uh, or managers that micromanage in-house in don't know how to stop that behaviour or transform that behaviour when the situation changes. So let's uh, hear about that, please, Mark. And we'll, Mark will talk for about five minutes, then we'll turn it into Q&A. So please pop your questions in the chat box and I'll have them ready to ask, um, you know, when, when, uh, when uh, Mark's ready to answer some questions. Brilliant. Thanks, Nina. Um, I guess this started when Nina and I were just having a conversation the other day and I noticed that a lot of people, now that they have staff working from home, are looking for ways of transitioning their micromanagement skill at work into micromanagement electronically. Uh, and that was quite disappointing <laughs> to see. Um, so Nina, I was having a talk about that journey of leadership uh, rather than management. And that's probably the first thing we need to understand is that there's a big difference. Uh, all companies manage. If they don't manage, they're going out of business. Um, but very few companies lead. Um, management, it is about organising, it's about scheduling, it's about rostering, it's about resourcing. Uh, leadership is about getting people to willingly go on a journey with you. Um, and understanding that that is a leadership journey is equally important for the leader as it is for the follower. Um, so the different stages that we see as people go through. Um, and it would help here if uh, your people can raise their hand to one of these two questions. Do you have children or have you been a child? <laughs> because if you can answer yes to either of those, brilliant, then you understand leadership. Um, those years, zero, one, two, three years of age in there, you use a certain style of leadership with your child. And that is a telling style. So. I tell my child what to do, I tell them when to do it, I tell them where to do it, I tell them how to do it. We give them no authority to make their own decisions because they have no prior experience, understanding, no prior knowledge on which to make those decisions. So I guess I'm saying there that micromanagement is an absolutely vital and acceptable form of leadership when you've got zero to three-year-olds in your workplace. Uh, now, I talk about ages today. We've all met a 52-year-old, two-year-old. Um, <laughs> so there are zero to three-year-olds in your workplace. 
Um, for them, yes, we use telling. We tell them what to do, we tell them when to be there, we tell them how to do it. Um, but I'm sure everybody can relate to that we've got at some stage tired of telling somebody something. Uh, and we've said, God, when are they ever gonna learn? Well, they're stage two. Stage two is that four to seven years of age where I now teach them. So I've got to actually learn how to teach an adult. And that in itself is a skill. So as a leader, I've got to learn to become a teacher, not a childhood teacher. We all have the experience of school, but how do I teach an adult? So that's your second phase. During that phase, it's not just teaching skills and knowledge, but also teaching values, beliefs in there um, that that person can use to make future decisions. Um, ultimately, value. How do you teach values? Organisational values, what are our values? And then break them down. What does that actually mean? What behaviours do we do, do we not do? What brings us pride in this company? What would bring us shame? Um, but leave out the big management words like respect, integrity, and no. These are all good statements, isn't that right? Yes. And you want something that is more meaningful and actually something that is more actionable? Yes. So an example of respect is during a meeting, we allow somebody to finish what they're saying and then we use the word and, not but. When right. I say but, I'm dismissing what you've said. When I say and, I'm saying and I will add on to that with we're now in partnership rather than I'm dismissing you so that I can be heard. So it's teaching people how to actually use those values. And you've got to do that in those years of four to seven. Um, ultimately, you want to get the person to the stage where you can delegate freely to them. But before you do that, there's an important stage in the middle and that's a consultative stage. So now as a leader, I've got to learn how to consult. Now this is not government consultation where they tell you what they're going to do ask you for your opinion, ignore it, and do what they were always going to do. This is actually proper consultation. I bring ideas to you, you bring ideas to me. We share information. We don't use it as a weapon. Is this we done as, a, as a team meeting or one-on-one -on -one or a bit of both? A way of life. So it happens in meetings, it happens individually, it happens. And this is where you're trying to get your staff to the point that they see the world as a place where we don't bring problems, we bring solutions. Or if you have a problem, you have a possible solution and then you can- Solutions, always with an S in there. And okay. the reason for the S is it teaches them to open their mind to more than one possibility. The idea of this stage is they're actually practicing making decisions without having to wear accountability for it. So they're coming to you and saying, these are my ideas. This is the problem I've identified. These are my ideas and I would recommend. And that recommendation is simply practice at decision making uh, in there. Um, once they're through the consultative stage, then we can start delegating. We can start saying to them, well, we've talked about this two, three times. You're consistently making good recommendations. Perhaps it's time for you to make a decision and I will back you up on that. But this is those years of 12 to 14. Can I just ask you a question there, Mark? Just something I, I noticed you said, and uh, our, uh, our guests may not have picked up on it. 
I heard you say that when you offer a solution, when someone with a problem offers a solution, the, the intentional language they should use is something about, and what I recommend is not, oh, there's only one thing we can do, or this is what we all have to do, which is all this language of, you know, like small thinking, which is there's only one option. And this yeah. is what I recommend suggests that there's one option of many. Uh, yes, absolutely. That? Um, and mm. that closed mind, that absolutism, everybody knows it has to be, there's no other way, is a sign of a closed mind. You're getting them to open their minds here. Bring me multiple options, but then be prepared to back that up with a recommendation. Yes. Which one would you take if you had the power? Absolutism, that's a really good word. Is that part of fixed mindset versus growth mindset? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, so when people are using absolutism, there is no other way. It has to be, and everybody knows. Uh, I don't always respond well. Catastrophizing in there as well, would that be right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if we uh, don't, just, the world's going to fall in. <laughs> yeah. I always laugh because when they say everybody knows, I wonder how they've had time to meet the 8 billion people on this planet. I definitely haven't had time. That's uh, right. <laughs> yeah. So they exaggerate in there. Um, the idea is to move them out of that. Do you, do you have absolutism in your organisation? And, and how do you pick... How do you pick it up whether someone is of a fixed mindset or, or uh, absolutism? It's like that sort of language of, you know, there's only one way or can't change or... Words like but. But means I've closed my mind to anything else. I'm right, you're wrong. Mm. Replace it with and. And another idea is, the thing I want to take out of what we've talked about so far is it's a journey. You can't go from having told somebody what to do told them when to do it, tell them when to be there, tell them how to do it, and then say to them, I'll give you total freedom to make your own decisions. <laughs> it's that process of I first have to teach, educate, then I have to consult, then I can delegate and increase delegation as you build confidence. And then I can give you empowerment uh, in that. So if people are micromanaging at the moment, don't think that you can just turn around and treat a two-year-old like an 18-year-old. It won't work. You've got to take them on the journey first. Right. So you, can't, you might still have to micromanage a little bit if that's what they're used to, if they're used to waiting for the next order before they do anything. Is that right? Now turn that into education. So right. rather than while they're waiting for the idea, say to them, so what other things do we need to do? Which do you believe should be priorities? Now, the way I see it is, so we're now actually having to retrain ourselves not to just tell them the answer. It's quicker, easier, lazier to tell them the answer. And there is um, a acronym that uh, Pearl Coding Language uses, which is Tim Toady, which is, there is more than one way to do it. And that's what I've always found with delegation is that you have to be open to somebody finding perhaps a different way of coming to the right conclusion. And sometimes it's a shortcut and sometimes it's better than the way you thought it should be done. Absolutely. Or sometimes it's an education opportunity to say to them, I like the way you're thinking and now let's look at it from a manager's point of view. Let's look at it from a legal point of view. Let's look at it from a risk point of view. You can actually do it on what they're doing. On the importance of this word and, because if, if, you, if, you, if someone says, I really like the way you're doing it, but 
suddenly, internally, they're going, oh, they don't like the way I'm doing it. Because they've just negated it. But, yeah. Yes. You haven't dismissed the idea. You've dismissed them. You've damaged a relationship. Uh, I would say that that's probably, in terms of behaviour, one thing that everybody could take away today is every time you go to say the word but, just reflect for a moment and go, would the word and be more open and more conducive to that other person having the perception of choice or yeah. the perception of acceptance? In fact, yeah. I used to tell people to leave your butt at home. Uh, <laughs> but now that we're working from home, we need to, yeah, just leave our butt behind. Um, in there and use and far more. Now, if we want to empower our people, let's look at five things we can do. First of all, set a clear vision for them, not a KPI. A vision is where do we want to be three to five years from now? Leaders lead people somewhere. Managers organise things today. Um, so where do we want to be? What's our vision and do we share that vision? You know, I even talk to senior managers in a company who cannot tell me where the organisation wants to be three to five years from now. Um, so there is no vision. So how often should a manager be bringing up that topic? Every six months or is that enough? Or oh, I thought you were going to say six minutes and I was going to say probably close enough. <laughs> the so vision is where we're going. Way to be maybe even having posters around uh, the office that change that says, you know, remind, uh, vision number one, vision number two. And so this, this kind of changing landscape, reminding everybody of the big picture, would that be right? Absolutely. Have old thermometer up where we measure how much closer getting to the vision. Um, you know, talk about activities regularly that have helped us to move from where we were to where we're going. Uh, in there. So that should be a daily languaging thing. Oh, it's in okay. every conversation. How is this going to help us to get to where we want to be five years from now? Um, rather than what do you have to focus on today? How is this going to help us to move forward? And of course, in times of crisis, often people think small picture because they're just in survival mode. And what everybody can, has to remember is some of the best innovations have occurred in the biggest cri times of crisis. So there's definitely opportunities to grow revenue and to create new product and to find new streams of income. Isn't that right? And that's a beautiful segue into step number two of empowering your people. Get them to think strategically. Have clear priorities. Understand what a priority is at work and have them focus on the priorities first. So a priority is something that strategically moves us into the future. Um, these are key result areas. We need to make the workplace safer. We need to build customer base. So a KRA is a key result. It's not how we're going to do it. But we should be constantly talking about what are the key activities we need to do to move forward. Now, teach your people that. They need to understand what priority is, otherwise they will fill their day. If you want to look important, carry a clipboard. If you want to look busy and important, carry a clipboard to a meeting. In fact, I had one young lady who uh, changed companies and took this idea with her. And after 90 days, her boss said to her, we've noticed you are taking a lot of time off. We love what you've done, but you're taking a lot of time off. She said, oh, yes. She said, I do one important thing every day and then I go home. And he said, but you can't do that. And she said, well, no, I've been watching and most people in this office won't achieve one important thing a week. I could become like them. I can continue on my path 
I'll give you a day to think about it. <laughs> and he actually came back and said, continue on that pathway, you're right. We need to focus on what's important, not what's keeping us busy. Yes. So that's step number two, is yeah. have clear priorities of what's yeah. important for people. Step number three, give them authority to act. You know that you're a micromanager, that you're a telling manager, when they keep coming to you with the idea and saying, can I do this? And the reason they're asking you is because they do not have authority to do it without you. Get yourself out of the picture. Give them authority to act. They should clearly know when can I act and when do I need to take this to somebody with a higher level of authority. Uh, so give them permission to act and permission to fail. If I can't fail, I can't try. Yeah. If I have to be successful every time, it's too risky to give anything a go. Yeah. So give them permission to fail. Yeah. Not to fail five times at the same thing. Can I just share, I was, a, I was a, a, a student at the Australian Film, TV and Radio School and the dean who was Story Walton, he would say, We're, we want you to experiment, we want to, you to have permission to fail and it, gave, it really led to innovation in the sense that we didn't have to stay within strict guidelines, but of course, in the workplace, there's uh, you know you, you sort of have to understand what people are doing, and so it's finding yeah. the balance, of course. So well, that goes hand in hand with number three of set clear authorities. Yes, I want you to know when you need to come to me with an idea, but I also want you to know when to just do it. Yeah, and That's if it right. fails, I will take the blame, not you. And learning from your mistakes and not being afraid to make a mistake because you use mistakes as a springboard to, to learn. Uh, That's the beauty. Once I can actually own up to my mistake, I can learn from it. If I cannot fail, I have to hide failures. Therefore, I hide a learning opportunity. That's right. And the next one? And the final one in there is stop telling them how you would do it and ask, start asking them how will they do it. Right. Yeah. And Don't that's about making yourself out. Go to your people with questions, not with answers. Yes. <laughs> Treat everything as a problem and them as part of your solutions team. Um, but stop telling them what you would do. Now, we do this because I want to be in charge. I want to be important. I feel that it's my job to tell them. Uh, I remember one day uh, talking to a manager that had flown over from Melbourne to see me. Um, and one of my young people came up and asked me, how to do something, and I gave them some quick instructions, sent them away. My manager turned around to me and then said, how dare you? And I said, what? And he said, by telling them what to do, you stole from them the pride that would have come if they'd worked it out for themselves. I do not pay you to be a thief. If you're going to continue to steal, you will not work for me. And it changed the way I thought. I thought I was helping them when what I was actually doing is making myself more important than them. So give them every opportunity to tell you how they would do it, then guide them gently. Have you considered what else do you need to know? That's all part of empowering. So don't tell them how you do it. One thing I've learned is that when you do delegate and you give them freedom to do it their own way, to actually ask them to repeat back to you what they understand yes. the task to be. Because sometimes, uh, I've assumed that I've uh, mentally telepathized the, <laughs> what the task is and they've got a completely different idea. So I've learned to actually just say, now, just before you move forward, just tell me what you understand the outcome is. <laughs> yeah. 
And when we get onto the communication part of this series, we'll have a talk about that as well. Um, how do I actually communicate the success rather than setting them up in case there's failure? Uh, and that's exactly what you're talking about. Well, just, just briefly, how would you do that? Just um, one little tip. A little bit of it is part about when you communicate, we often say to people, do you understand or do you have any questions? Right. Now, they'll immediately go, yes, I understand, because they've interpreted it their way, or no, I don't have any questions because I don't want to look foolish. Right. Any question that starts with a do is a do-do question. It's doggy do-do. We don't use them in there. Instead, what are you thinking of doing from here? How will you approach this problem? Um, That's good. For the people in, uh, that are listening, what, what's the one thing you got out of today? If you could pop that in the chat box, I'd appreciate that and we'll um, do that as a little bit of a wrap up. But um, yes, yeah, so it's, it's, it's tricky leading people and especially when they're not in the same building as you. Yeah, the trick with leading people is to lead yourself first. Know what the next stage is and prepare yourself. Do I need to become an educator? Do I need to be able to learn to consult? Do I need to give them the freedom that comes with delegation and the permission to make a mistake? But if I'm not leading myself, how can I lead others? I'll just continue to do what I've always done, which is to tell them or micromanage. So lead yourself first. So I'm just hearing yeah. from people uh, that people are saying leading is a journey. That's what they're getting out of today. Leaders uh, look three to five years forward and managers organise for today. And uh, someone else's takeaway is to ask instead of tell. Uh, we've got lead and consult and give permission to fail. So people are getting some terrific um, tips from today. Yeah. Leave your butts at home. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, um, it's been a real pleasure uh, having you today, Mark. And it sounds like we should bring you back to talk about communication. So at a, at a later session, hey? Nina, we could be talking for many, many years. <laughs> Absolutely. You're one of the most insightful people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. So um, uh, I hope everybody's enjoyed our conversation today with Mark Jones. And um, look, we look forward to another session in the future. Thanks, everybody, for participating. And um, Thank you, everybody. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.